the Saints and the Aints. It's not the name of the show. It's the Saints and the Aints. Not the name of the show. It's the Saints and the Aints. You know how to snap? It's the Saints and the Aints. I'm in my 30s. Yeah, I A know lot snap. of people don't know how to snap. Let me see. If you grown, you should know how to snap. Let me see. When I'm four, I don't know how to do it, Daddy. Let me, let me just see. What was that? Oh, okay. Do it again. No. I want to hear it. <laughs> You're such a kid. <laughs> I want to hear it. I do. Oh. Oh, my gosh. It was all proper. You think you're smart. <sighs> anyway, so let's just jump right into it. Like, we ain't got to do all that whole uh, weird intro stuff because I don't even have nothing to say <laughs> other than that my lips are dry. So some people, I think people, especially on YouTube, because it's, it's, it is interesting how we have people that listen to us on Spotify, iTunes, that kind of some of them are like crossover into the YouTube, but we have also a distinct audience on YouTube yeah. that don't listen to I them. was very fascinated when I found out they're like YouTube listeners and podcast listeners are, are two very distinct audiences. They are. I have a theory. I think some of it is, it really is your your chosen form of media that you, so I'm a podcast listener, right? Because I'm always in the car, dropping the kids off, going to meetings, all the things. And so I'm listening to the podcast. I don't have the time to watch a YouTube video. So you're trying to say people uh, who watch YouTube um, don't have no life and they no, don't have jobs. No, I think if I'm a... That's if, why they're so mean in the comment sections because they just... No, bored. I'm saying <laughs> when I'm at home, I don't have the time, but if I am going to watch something, it won't be YouTube. It'll be a documentary. It'll be... Et cetera, I do et be feeling like there's a lot of kids on YouTube. Your beard is ugly, Preston. <laughs> FYI. <laughs> when you... When are you going to get a lineup? It's like, Whoa. You have to be think, 12. I think YouTube is more critical. Oh, yeah. But it's more critical because people have more space to share. Yeah, yeah. On podcasts, where they going to say it? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, so they, they just can they just got to keep it to themselves. Yeah, they should be criticizing oh. us uh, on the bike at LA Fitness. People encourage. I think, I think pressing line. People encourage us, too. <laughs> All I'm saying, I don't know how I got there. Oh, so also depending on the medium by which people listen it might also determine what they know about us. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's because true. you keep, you've been running into people who don't know we're married, which is, <laughs> so because they were introduced to you through Bold TV. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh, you got a wife. That's that's so strange when that happens to me because it rarely happens because either people know me from my poetry, but they if they know me from my poetry, they know you. We right. started off doing poetry together. And then, you know, I'm always in like, you know, white evangelical spaces when it's like, you need to do ministry too, Preston. <laughs> it's like, I, I actually... <laughs> they think you're not doing nothing? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the Christian community. We often feel like our, our community is the only community that, that exists. Yeah. But, but, and then I meet people on the street and, um, you know, who who are bold TV fans and those are just theology heads. And it's just like, man, you stoked, bro. Are you married, bro? <laughs> like, man, your, your videos rock, man. That's what I'm saying. Are you... Are, yeah, my wife, she actually, she's a ministry too. Oh, she does apologetics too? Yeah, she sort of kind of does apologetics too. It's more like in this sexuality field. Oh, that's that's amazing, man. Where can I find our content at? Yeah, she has books. 
<laughs> it's, it's hilarious. It's so strange. It's just it's just when you tell me that you've met people that don't know we're married, it's like, oh, yeah, that's and, the thing. And, but it's also it's also been funny in the past when people like this one girl was like, yeah, somebody sent me your poem, and then somebody sent me Jackie poem, and then like three weeks later, I found out y'all was married. It's like, that's cute. That's that's crazy. Last name they must thought we were siblings, right? But <laughs> the reason I say that is because it is possible that some of our watchers and some of our, our listeners don't know that you are an apologist. Yeah. They, they, they don't know that you be going out in the streets and talking to people of other faiths, other, other systems of belief about Jesus. And so I just wanted to reintroduce everybody to Preston Perry, the apologist. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Uh, can, you, can you stop clapping? Can, can you stop clapping? Okay, you hear an encore. Can you stop clapping? Thanks, 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 thanks. You don't know how to receive it? No, it's it's not. You don't have to clap for that. <laughs> it's like, what are we doing? <laughs> it's kind of weird. Me and you got into a conversation uh, at a coffee shop, and I put it on my Instagram. I started recording you because you, you just say really profound things in very simple and matter of fact matter of fact ways to me in the most uh, mundane spaces, such <laughs> as the coffee shop. And you were talking about how anytime you post something about the deity of Jesus, mm -hmm. how how you get responses from people who don't either believe that or struggle with it. Can yeah. you talk more about just kind of the consensus that you've heard from people that follow you or whatever? about what they think about the the subject of Jesus being God. Yeah, so from early on um, in my Christian walk, I think it was very obvious that God wanted me to, like, focus on Christology, like, to help people to understand how Jesus exists and um, tell people to understand that Jesus is, is God um, because I think it's, it's a really big deal for us to understand how God has come to reveal himself through the person of Jesus Christ, right? Um, but... Early on, I, I thought that the Lord really just wanted me to um, reach other faiths, you know, like Jehovah's Witnesses, um, Muslims, uh, Mormons, Hebrew Israelites, who all deny, who all will say that Jesus existed, but will deny his deity. But then as time started to go on, I started to realize that, man, like, there's a lot of Christians who go to Orthodox Christian churches who don't really believe that Jesus is God or who, or who really don't understand him being God. And it started to be, you know, evident to me when I started to post videos of me engaging with Jehovah's Witnesses. And it was like, no, Preston, I go to such and such Baptist church and Jesus is the son of God. And it's like, huh. And so such I began to pray Baptist. about it. And, you know, it, it started to be a, a bigger burden um, on me than, than ever to really just help Christians to see, no, no, Jesus actually came to reveal himself, not as a good teacher, not as a prophet, mere prophet, but, you know, he's, he's God in the flesh. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. The question is, why does it matter? So, for example, isn't it sufficient that someone just recognizes, oh, he is God's son, he came to the earth, to, to die, and he died for sin, he rose from the dead, and all who believe in him have eternal life. Is that a sufficient belief 
for someone to have, or must they also believe that he is God? Well, I, I do think, I'm not going to speak um, um, authoritative in a way and saying that, like, God cannot do something in a person's heart if they don't fully grasp um, how he exists. I think that God, it, it, I, think it, I think it's possible for God to do a work and then... I think that if he has done a work, he will finish a work. And so I think that he will eventually reveal to you how he exists, mm-hmm. right? I've, I've seen people like that who've come to faith and don't really understand who Jesus is. And then after a while, it's like, no, you know, the Holy yeah. Spirit reveals him. And this man is, is, is God. Can I say something real quick to yeah, that yeah, point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was listening to uh, a podcast uh, the other day that was talking about just that kind of dynamic of being a new believer and being ignorant of some doctrines, but having a sincere faith. Yeah, yeah. And how they were they were describing how in the early church they would do catechisms where they would teach through fundamental, you know, doctrines of the Christian faith. And that it is one thing to say, I don't, I didn't know that and mm-hmm. I want to continue to learn that. And it's another thing to say, I don't believe that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so is it and he said, like, ignorance is not heresy. Yes. Denial is. Yes. To 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 for somebody to reveal it and say, no, this is what the word says, da da da. You're like, yeah, no, I don't yeah. believe it. But that's kind of what that's I, another thing. That's kind of where I was going next. You know, I because I think that if we deny or if we don't grasp the truth, I think um we run the risk of essentially worshiping the wrong God. That, that I think that's right. What Jesus, Jesus being God, lets us know something very, very important. Mm-hmm. It lets us know that Jesus is authoritative. Mm. He's the ultimate authority. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times when these other religions comes and, you know, when a you know, young black boy got hurt by the church and then he go outside and walk down the street and run into a Hebrew Israelite and, and, and then the Hebrew Israelite come to him and say, man, you are the lost child of Israel, yada, 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 and Jesus isn't actually God. It's like, okay, now I, I'm able to look at you guys as truth because I denied the, how Jesus exists from the jump. Mm-hmm. But if Jesus is the authoritative figure here, mm-hmm. we know that his word is author- mm-hmm. authority, right? And so I think Jesus, I think that the thing about Jesus, Jesus came and he brought everybody to decision, not because he was merely sent by God, but because he was God. Does Jesus, I'm going to just ask a bunch of questions. Does Jesus, I do this to, uh, to you all the time, actually. Yeah, yeah, you do. <laughs> Does it strengthen your faith? Uh, no. It don't? It's just good conversation. Wow. It's not edifying at all for me to ask you questions that you could be asked on the street? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 didn't, I didn't understand. Forget it. I didn't understand the question. I'll never ask the question again. <laughs> <laughs> Curious George is gone. <laughs> you loser. Um, <laughs> does it... Does Jesus have to be God to be authoritative? Because Moses was authoritative. Not in the same way. Paul was authoritative. He wrote the scriptures. What makes him different? Well, Jesus, well, God is the ultimate authority, right? Mm -hmm. And so Moses didn't have the ability to forgive sins, right? Jesus did, right? And so um, Moses couldn't (laughs) do half of the things that Jesus could, right? He couldn't say things that God said. He couldn't say, before Abraham was, I am, right? And so Jesus is literally speaking um, to his eternal nature, right? Um, he's not limited. Moses was limited. And so when, when, when Jesus says things like, before Abraham was, I am, 
And they was like, what? You're not even 50 years old. We have to understand that he wasn't merely claiming to be old. When we look up in the Greek, um, the I am, it literally means ego a me. It means forever ago. Huh? Ego a me. It, huh? it, 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 ego a me. It literally means I existed forever ago. Ego a me. Ego a me. Right? I, I, I existed into eternity's past, right? Um, I, I, I have no beginning. My, what chapter is that? Um, uh, John 17, I think. It's John 8. Oh, John 8. <laughs> and so Jesus is, he's not merely claiming to have authority given to him by God. He's literally claiming to be God. Right? And so I think that's, I think that's the difference. And so... And uh, I would imagine that what also makes Jesus distinguished from the likes of a Moses or a Paul is that they both were vessels in the sense that they received what they were able to give. Yeah. Versus Jesus himself is the source of life, power, death, resurrection. But, Not death, but stuff like that. Yeah, but also, too, I think the main thing is if we don't recognize Jesus as God, we don't see him as one to be worshipped, right? Um, you know, when Jesus rose from the dead and he appeared to the Pharisees, uh, not the Pharisees, but the, to the disciples, um, one of the disciples, um, Thomas, wasn't there. And, you know, when he came back and appeared to him the, the second time and he, you know, appeared to, quote-unquote, doubting Thomas, he walked up to Thomas and showed Thomas, you know, the holes in his hands and the holes in his feet. And it says that Thomas fell down and worshiped him as God. And Jesus says, you believe because you have seen, but blessed are those who have not seen and still believe. And so Jesus is saying, man, you worship me because you've seen. But Jesus is desiring for those who have not seen the nails in his hands or the, or the holes in his feet to still read his word and to worship him as such, right? Um, and so if you do not recognize Jesus as God, you essentially do not worship the right God, right? If you don't understand all the ways in which God has come to reveal himself to the world, you run the risk of putting your faith in a God that cannot save you. Well, and so I think that's, I think that's the reason why you know, knowing that Jesus is God is, is important. It's, it's really important, <laughs> you know? So let's prove it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's, let's back this up with facts. Give me one scripture. We'll go through a few, but what is, what is one of the simpler texts that we could walk through that proves the deity of Jesus? Well, I think one, one, one scripture that a lot of, religions like the Jehovah's Witnesses and even some Hebrew Israelites go to is Philippians 2 verse 5 where it talks about the great humility of Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, and I think this text has been uh, misinterpreted a lot by other religions and um, not fully interpreted by quote-unquote like Bible-believing Christians. Um, because is it is it the would they say he was not he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself is that the pushback the emptying himself part is one um, but also two we look at that word equality and it uh, let's just go let's let's go it. to it right 
Philippians 2 verse 5 says this. It says, have this mind amongst yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who though being in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name. Every name. That under the name of Jesus, uh-huh. every knee shall bow yeah. in heaven, on earth, and uh-huh. under earth, and every uh-huh. tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is the glory to God, the Father. Is the Lord to the right? glory of God. Now, let's look, at the, let's look at five, right? It says, have this mind amongst yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, mm-hmm. right? And so it's saying the same mind that Jesus had, you have, right? Right? What mind did Jesus has? It says, who though being in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. Right? And so I think some people may look at this and say, see, even Jesus here didn't, didn't count equality with the Father a thing to be grasped. As to say, almost, almost trying to say that Jesus knew his place. Hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. But what is, this, what is this passage pointing to? This passage is pointing to great humility. Humility is not merely knowing your place. Humility is recognizing you have a right to something, but being able to let it go to serve someone else. Right? Um, If I did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, it's not humility. It's common sense because I never had equality to begin with. Right? And so Jesus not Uh counting equality with God a thing to be grasped is humble because he did have equality with the Father. Right. And so this is the reason why it's great humility. And so Jesus is so the so the writer here is saying, let this mind being being you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who had something, who had privileges, but let these privileges to go to serve the same people he created. And so I think when you when you when you talk to other religions like the Hebrew Israelites or even the Jehovah's Witnesses, is they almost look at it as I think they fundamentally misunderstand humility. They don't understand what humility is because if you did, you would say, man, if, if, he, if the writer said he didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped, which means he had to let it go, ah, which means he had it. Yeah. <laughs> he, he had it, but he didn't count it the thing to be grasped. He let it go. Why uh-huh. did he let it go? That's a great sermon text. He had it. He uh-huh. had it. He had it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? But, but look, 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 look what it says. It says, who though being in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but, uh, right? How did he let it go? By emptying himself, mm-hmm. by taking on the form of a servant, mm-hmm. right? And being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. And so this is the reason why he, uh, how he let it go. He let it go because he was eternally God, but he became a man. And so when he became a man, it does not mean that he stopped being God. But he did become a man. So he was 100% man, 100% God. And so in his human nature, he was limited. This is the reason why we see scriptures and other scriptures like, how did Jesus not know the time that the Father, um, that he, he will return? Or, or uh, you know, questions like this, you know, because he was limited in his human nature. This is the reason why it was great humility, because the God who created us condescended and became like us while still remaining God, Right. And so he was limited in his human nature, mm-hmm. right? And I'll, I'll, I'll look at it like this, right? You are uh, an amazing poet, right? Not and, anymore, but thank well, you. Well, you were an amazing poet. Yes. 
okay. because you were a world-renowned poet, you had privileges that some poets didn't have, right? Mm. You had special privileges. And so if you go to a big poetry event and you walk into a room, people are going to say, oh, Jackie O'Perry's here. We're going to give her the big green room. We're going to give her all the juices. We're going to give her all the fruit snacks or whatever, right? <laughs> you have privileges because of what you've accomplished, right? Mm. And there might be poets there who don't have the privileges you have because they're just starting out, right? Mm -hmm. If you let go of some of these privileges, right, um, and and give these privileges away to poets that, that are that are they don't have the same privileges as you, you don't stop being Jackie Hill Perry. Yeah. And so when Jesus let go of his privileges, he didn't stop being God. Yeah, yeah. He didn't stop being God. Uh huh. Right. Uh, he still. And so a lot. Of, uh, 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 this is another thing. A lot of people say, "Well, how did God stop being being God if he if he let go of his divine nature?" Uh -huh. No, he didn't let go of his divine nature. Uh -huh. He let go of his privileges as where, God. Where do they get the assumption that he let go of his divine nature? Because it says that he emptied himself and became uh, and became a man. And so I think that some people don't grasp the fact that Jesus was one hundred percent man and one hundred percent God. Got it. They think if he became man, uh -huh. he wasn't God anymore. Like his divinity was partial. Yeah. Or and so when it says he let it go, it's important to, to it's important to know that he did not let go of his divinity. Mm -hmm. He let go he let go of some of his rights as God in order to serve the same people he created. That's crazy. This is the reason why it's great humility, right? Mm -hmm. And so in the same way, if we go let go of some of our privileges, we don't stop being who we are. Mm -hmm. You're still Jackie O'Perry, mm -hmm. right? Um, but you're, you're letting go of your privileges to serve the same, you know, to serve people who are beneath you in a sense, right? Um, and then it says, by being found in the form of a servant, by being born in the likeness of man in the human form, he humbled himself um, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death of the cross. This is the thing that I think points to Jesus being God more than anything, right? No, like if we are created we're already held subject to death. Meaning, no one can become obedient to death because every single person or every single being that is created is already held subject to death. The only one who had to become obedient to death is the one who never knew death, and that was Jesus. Yikes. Right? And so Jesus had to humble himself to the point of death mm -hmm. because he was always superior over death for all of eternity. Yeah, yeah. And so this is, this is what really made Jesus' humility amazing. Mm -hmm. Think about it. For all of eternity, death never knew you. Ah! Like, you, 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 death never had any hold over you, and you became subject to the thing that you've always been superior over for all of eternity, uh -huh. right? Because you are not a created being, right? And so some people may say, well, angels, mm -hmm. right? Um, they will always live, but they can die. Yeah, we the, see the final this, judgment. Right, yeah, we see this with Satan, mm -hmm. right, who was originally... An angel, mm -hmm. he gonna die one day, mm -hmm. right? Um, because death means you know separation well, from God. He still is an angel. Huh? He still is an angel. He still is. He, is, he still is an angel, right? Um, and so, yeah, I, I just think that understanding Jesus' great humility here points us to how He is God. Yeah. And I've seen this passage used over and over and over again by other religions of Jesus knowing his humility. And it's almost used to put Christians in his place. Mm -hmm. It's saying that Jesus knew his place. You should know Jesus' place as well. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, that's not what humility is. That's interesting. Humility is not knowing your place. Humility is knowing that you have rights to something, but being able to let it go to serve others. That's excellent. Yeah. Now, I would be intrigued because to talk about John 1. Because... In the beginning... 
yeah, like, I don't be venturing in the whole other religion sphere. I just be, you know, I've been dealing with uh, demon worship and music and stuff like that lately. And, you know, sexuality, gay people, that's where I be at. But <laughs> So when I come across texts that feel obviously affirming of the deity of Christ, it you always have to say, you have to, like, help me understand how it's understood, right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, for example, John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Then it goes on to verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt, and dwelt among, among us. us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. To me, that's such a... Clear. Yeah, it's like, yeah, in the beginning was a word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh. Who became flesh? Jesus. So Jesus is God. Yeah. How is that understood in these different faiths? And how do, how do we... Yeah, how do we affirm what John is trying to Well, tell I love us? I love this passage because all the other three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synoptic gospels because they're very similar in the point that they're trying to get across. They're basically explaining Jesus as this good either moral teacher, prophet, this good man, right? John is distinct in how he talks about Jesus because he from the onset, he wants you to understand one thing which is the deity of Jesus. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Now, um, everybody, well, every religion that would deny that Jesus is God, they will use this passage to interpret what they want to interpret, right? So the, you know, um, the Hebrew Israelites, well, some Hebrew Israelite camps would say, well, in the beginning um, means that when Jesus was um, created, Right. Uh, it, it speaks to his creation, right? It speaks um, to Genesis one one. It is, yeah, but 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 that's what I'll point them back to Genesis one one. Yeah. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Yeah. And so, what what I, one thing that I always tell them that you no, know, this beginning is not speaking to God's creation, because if God created this world to fit within a time frame, He created the earth, and then in the beginning is when He established time for the earth to fit within a time frame. Mm-hmm. Before He created you know, matter and the earth and all of the things that he created, there was no need for time, right? Because God was eternal. He didn't need time to exist. Mm -hmm. And so when he created this earth in the beginning, he had to establish time Mm -hmm. as well for the earth to fit within the time frame. And so if Jesus was there in the beginning, if he was there in the beginning, that means he existed before the beginning, mm-hmm. right? And so teach this text, and sir. So, and so when it says, and so what John is doing, John is using the same language in Genesis. He says, "Remember in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, right? Remember in the beginning. In the beginning was also Jesus, mm-hmm. right? In the beginning was the Word." And the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Through him, all things were made. And without him, nothing was made that was made. What about verse three? Because to me, that's... that's So verse three is... Yeah, verse three. Verse three is, is, um, you know... It's it's basically saying that Jesus made all things. I'll read it. Through him, all... All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. Now, now, now... (laughs) Now, the Hebrew Israelites will tell you that, like I said, in the beginning, it's when God was created, Jesus was created. That's a heresy. 
But I think the people who, the, the religion that, that has made most sense of this is Jehovah's Witnesses. Because in order for you to make this text mean that Jesus is not God, you have to change the text. You literally have to change it. And so if you know anything about the Jehovah's Witnesses, they have a, I don't even want to call it a Bible because it isn't a Bible. It's called the New World Translation. And uh, it was published in 1950. And so it's not even, you know, 100 years old yet. It's my mama age. Right. Um, And it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was a God. Mm. And then it goes, uh, through him, all other things were created. Right. And so it doesn't say that Jesus created all things. It said he's created all other things. And it, and it says that he's a God and not the God. So right? what's interesting about that is that to make that in type, to, to, to write that kind of text means you have abandoned the original language. Yes. So I want you to zoom in here, Kim. You see that? So this is a really good book, I think. Y'all should have. It's the New Greek slash inter, interlinear uh, New Testament. So it has English and Greek. And so I'll read it in, I'll read the English as translate into Greek. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and God was the word. This one was in beginning with God. All things through him came to be and without him came to be not Nothing. even one thing. Not even one thing. <laughs> and so, and so... If, if, like, let's, let's not talk about Jehovah's Witnesses. Let's talk about, you know, um, people who just don't believe that Jesus is God. This will mean that Jesus created himself. Yeah. It literally means if you don't believe that Jesus is God, you literally believe that Jesus created himself. Because it says not one thing mm -hmm. came into being. And so most people believe that Jesus being God, he was the first and greatest creation of the Father. Mm -hmm. That's just not true. We see in Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 1, verse 10, it says the Father, the Father says that Jesus created the heavens and the earth by himself. Mm -hmm. It was the work of his hands. Mm -hmm. And so all things came into to being through Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so it's consistently pointing to the fact that Jesus is God. Now, how do you deal with, uh, I don't think that's in John. Garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus is praying, people will say, so you're trying to tell me that Jesus prayed to himself? Yeah. What is the response? Well, no. Well, I think the Bible, nothing. I know the Bible talks about one God who exists in three co-equal persons, right? Mm -hmm. um, the, 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 the Bible, in the beginning, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and it says, let us make man in our own image. And so even there, the, the, the father was not speaking to himself. He was speaking to other persons in the Trinity. Mm -hmm. And so we see that God is one God who exists in three co-equal persons. And so, no, Jesus is not praying to his divine side. And Jesus, like we talked about modalism on the podcast before, this is not this thing called modalism. Well, you know, Jesus is the Father, and then he stops being the Father and acts as the Son, and then he stops being the Son and acts as the Holy Spirit. No, in Genesis, we see one God created the earth, but it is expressed through three co-equal persons. The Father initiates, the Son creates, the Spirit hovers over the face of the deep, solidifying all that God has made. And so in the Garden of Gethsemane, we see the same thing. We see, no, an actual Son praying to his Father, who is also eternally God. And so, you know, the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Holy Spirit, and vice versa. And so we see 
And I think over and over, it's very hard to grasp the fact that God doesn't exist like us, right? Who God is, and the best way I can explain it, um, because I think it's hard to talk about the deity of Jesus and not talk about the triune God of Scripture, yeah, right? Because Jesus is essentially who came to reveal the triune God of Scripture, right? Um, so, you know, one thing that I, I I like to explain to people when I'm talking to other religions or even trying to explain this to Christians is we all exist in a what and a who, right? Um, what I am is a human being. And so if I die, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody comes to the scene, the ambulance comes to the scene to say, we have, they're going to identify me in my what? Before they look at my wallet and oh. open my wallet mm-hmm. and say who I am. Mm-hmm. What am I? They're going to say what I am. This is not a dog that's dead. Mm-hmm. This is not a rabbit that's dead. Teach this. They're going to identify the what? Uh-huh. Right? Who I, what I am in essence is a human, right? And then they're going to identify, they're going to identify the who. Uh-huh. They're going to say, this, this human person is Preston Perry. He lives X, Y, Z, right? Mm-hmm. And so what God is in nature is God. He is one God, but how he exists, exists in three co-equal persons. Mm-hmm. And so I think understanding the nature of God is first grappling with the fact that God doesn't exist like us. He exists distinct from us, right? Um, and so I think, I think we have to understand that, right? And so when we see Jesus praying to his father, we should not confuse um, this thing that Jesus is praying to himself mm. or Jesus is praying, you know what I mean? Like, no, he, he's praying to his father who is also God. Mm-hmm. They share one nature, but they exist in three co-equal persons. And so I think we, we, we have to grasp that. And I think that when we grasp that, we see that, no, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit have this close, intimate um, relationship with one another that um, helps us, you know, see God um, better. There's another text where Jesus says that the Father is greater than I. And I've heard you say that that is also used as a, as a, as a reason for why Jesus can't possibly be God. Yeah, yeah. And John, um, you know, Jesus is basically encouraging the disciples not to, um, you know, be afraid of his leaving. You know, he's saying, you know, if I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm going to return to my father for my father is greater than I. And Jehovah's Witnesses, Hebrew Israelites, they all kind of ask me the same question. You know, why did Jesus say um, that the father is greater than I? And one of the things that I like to ask them is like, what context? Like if I walk up to you and say, my friend is greater than I, I don't think that you will automatically assume that he's a greater human being than me. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't say, oh, he's a greater human being than you. Mm-hmm. You will say, no, in which way are you saying that he's greater? Mm-hmm. Is he a greater father? Is he a greater husband? Is he a greater friend? And I think we just don't ask ourselves those questions and we don't interrogate the text because we want the text to mean what we want it to mean. And so I think two things, um, two reasons why Jesus says that the father is greater than I. One reason is that I believe that the father has authority over the son. And, in, in, you know, he, he says that when I... The, the, the father sent me into the world, right, to die for the sins of the world, right? He says, I, I came to do my father's will, not my will. And so when Jesus 
humbled himself, go back to Philippians 2, 5, it says he humbled himself and he became obedient to the point of death. And so we have to understand that when Jesus let go a lot of his privileges, he was submitted to the will of the Father in ways that he wasn't submitted to the will of the Father in heaven, Mm -hmm. right? And so that's what humility did. Mm -hmm. Jesus submitted himself to, and it even even says that Jesus for a little while was made a little Lord in angels, Mm -hmm. And so we have to understand that that's great humility that Jesus is, is, is displaying here, that when he humbled himself and became a man, that he was submitted to his father's will in a way that he wasn't submitted to in, in heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, but then some would even argue the fact, I mean, this has been an argument in, in Christian spaces for, for generations, actually, that some people believe that the father has always had um, an authoritative role over mm-hmm. the son. And some Christians believe that the father only had an authoritative role over the son when Jesus became a man and humbled himself. Um, that's the debatable. I lean more t- towards the fact of um, order of the triune God for all of eternity. Okay. I-, I lean more towards that. Um, I don't think that that's a salvific thing if you believe one or the other. You still believe that Jesus is God almighty either way. Mm-hmm. Um, but some people would say, no, Jesus had the Jesus humbled himself, and that's why the Father, that's why the Father was greater than he was on earth. And some people will say, no, the Father has always been greater than the Son in role, mm-hmm. but he has always been equal with the Son in essence. Mm-hmm. And so I lean towards that more, um, that interpretation more than, than the other. I, I want to actually find the term if people wanted to research more. Yeah, 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 yeah. The term. Because it's long. Yeah, the eternal subordination of the sun. Yeah, yeah. So if you want to dig into that yeah, theological yeah. debate, you can. Yeah, but in a nutshell, basically, I think Jesus is displaying um, there with the disciples, though the Father is greater than I, but we should not automatically assume that he is talking about essence, right? Um, in the same way, um, if we talk about role, my role is greater than yours. Right. As a husband, yeah. as a leader of our home. Um, but I'm not a greater human being than you. Right. And so what I am in essence, we're all we're equal. Yeah. We're equal. We we deserve the same amount of respect. We deserve the same amount of honor. And if somebody comes in my house and try to treat you less than because I'm the leader, mm-hmm. I'm gonna have a problem with that. And you right. are too. Right. And so I think we should look at God the same way. Is that no, the father and the son deserve the same amount of respect because they are equally God, even though their roles might be different. Is there a is there a sense in which not believing like that Jesus is God affects our our grasp of the gospel. Like, and what I mean is, like, I guess what is the significance of God, the incarnate God, so the God man yes. dying for sin? Yes, because you really cannot understand the fullness of God's grace if you don't understand that no God Himself came to die for me. Mm-hmm. Like, 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 not only. Do you not understand the significance of God's grace? But you also don't understand the significance of your sin. Okay. How, how offensive your, whole, your, your sin was to a holy and a righteous God and how no one else can do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How no one else could have took your sin away, right? It's a God to come because he is the only perfect one. Mm-hmm. He is the only one that can come to, to, to live as a man, to live a perfect life, and to literally like take your sins and in exchange give you his righteousness. Mm, mm -hmm. It was the righteousness of God that we needed. Mm -hmm. 
right? And so it's not that Jesus used a mere, it's not that the father used a mere man to, to, to make us righteous. No, God used him. God himself died to give us his righteousness, mm-hmm. right? And that was the exchange. It was like, no, we were so jacked up that the father had to send someone who was also God mm-hmm. to live a perfect life, to live a life that we could live and to die a death that we deserve. Mm-hmm. So at the end, he can exchange our sin for his righteousness. That's good. And that's the gospel. And so for people who don't understand the, the, the significance of Jesus dying, no wonder why they work so much. Because if you, if you don't understand the fullness of God's grace, you're going to work. If you don't understand the fullness of what God has done for you, you're going to look to works because every religion in the world has found something to work for to please God. Christianity is the one, only one that says the God who finished the work found me. God himself condescended and became a man to die for you. And so if we don't understand that, we really don't understand the love of God, how he came to express his love, and how he, how he came to, uh, to display his love to the world. And so I think it's a huge, I think it's a huge deal. That's big. It is. It's real big. Yeah. I think uh, I was reading, I think it's the cross of Christ. uh, Cause somebody had asked me the question of like, why, why God, like, why couldn't he send an angel? And I, I I guess I'm gonna ask you that you might actually just repeat the same thing, but why not an angel? Because angels, I'm not, they don't have sin either. Right. So why couldn't they die for us? Like, why was it? Why did it have to be God? Yeah, because angels are inherently good, mm. right? Mm-hmm. They are created in the image, not, not in the image of God. We're created in the image of God, but they are created beings. And so um, they, God didn't only send someone who was perfect. He sent someone who can remain perfect, mm. right? Mm-hmm. An angel can sin if they wanted to. Mm. We see this in heaven. Mm, right? That's deep. We see this in heaven, right? And so when, 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 um, e- even though he was, well, well you're going to say something. What, what, what? That's so deep because it made me think about Christ's intercession and how he stands in heaven at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. And it's like what you just said is major, like, because he can remain perfect because he's God that means that our our intercession is secure. Yes. Like if we would always low-key kind of be angsty if we had a quote-unquote savior who always had the possibility of being at odds with God. Absolutely. Oh, my God. Absolutely. I've never thought of that. Yeah, yeah. And and, and also, too, the father sent someone who, who, yeah, like— who he has always been in perfect relationship with, mm-hmm. always been in close, intimate relationship with. It says no one has seen the Father at any, at any time except the only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father. When I studied the bosom part, it means in close, intimate, close proximity um, with the Father for all of eternity, right? And so, like, the Father, like, loved us so much that he sent his Son, who he has eternally known for all of, all of, all of, for all of, you know, um, not often to say all for all of the creation, but forever, right? Mm-hmm. To come into the world, to 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 dwell as a man, right? Why? Because he loved us that much. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the great love of God, that God is not going to send a created being, mm-hmm. but he's going he's to send himself to come into the world, to dwell as a man, to live a life amongst his own creation so at the end he can die for us. He that's amazing. Loves us. That's amazing. Oh, how he loves us. 
loves oh us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves He is jealous for me. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, you're so okay. I am a tree. You irk. It'd be funny how the different churches change the one lyric. Like, we ain't singing no sloppy wet kiss around here. It's unforeseen. <laughs> unforeseen <laughs> kiss? unforeseen kiss in these sanctified parts. Okay. No, I mean, I love this. I, I really think it's a big deal, you know? And I it think is a that, big deal. I think that, um, yeah, we have to understand that God loved us so much that he sent his son, but understanding, like, what that meant. Right, God Himself came. Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us, and that's the reason why I love Hebrews four fourteen so much, where it says, "Seeing now we have a great High Priest who has passed through the heavens." It says, "Let us therefore hold, hold firm to our confessions, for we do not have a High Priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who is tempted in every respect, just as we are, yet without sin." Right? I love that scripture so much because it explains how Jesus became a man um, um, like us, but he remained perfect. And so because he was perfect, right? And like, because he was a man, he was, he was, he was, he's able to empathize with my weakness. He's able to empathize when I get frustrated, when I get tired, when I get weak, right? Because like no other religion can say that God knows what it feels like to be human. Mm Mm-hmm. No other religion. Like, no Jehovah's Witnesses can't say that. You don't have a, you, you serve a God who can never empathize with your humanity. Mm-hmm. Never. Right? And mm-hmm. so understanding that Jesus is God, we understand that Jesus' compassion, God's compassion with us, it runs deep. Not because he's, not, not merely because he's a creator, but because he became like us to empathize with our, with our humanity. Right. And so this is the reason why, you know, the Bible says that we can come to the throne of confidence with boldness. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm sad. I'm sorry. I said throne of confidence. This, <laughs> throne reason, of grace. this is the reason why the, the, the scripture says we should come to the throne of grace with confidence. Right. Because we don't have a, a high priest. We don't have a God who doesn't know what it feels like to be human. And so I think understanding that Jesus is God, I think will allow us to worship God in ways that we probably don't even realize. That's good. You know, and so I think it's I think it's huge. Do you have any, I guess, additional resources that if people wanted to go deeper into this or just some texts, should, do you think that those texts that you brought up today are some pretty, because I know you got to go get the girls. Uh, do you think that those texts that we went through today, John 1, uh, Philippians 2, um, John, the high priestly prayer, like what's that, John 17? Yeah, John 17. Yeah, I, I, I would say study the book of John. Um, in depth, um, when you read the Bible, I think that you should get a, a, a Greek interlinear um, to study what these words mean. You don't have to study the word uh, all the time in the Greek, but when you come across a word referring to the Son or referring to God, and, and, and you and you're confused, don't automatically assume that it means human or God. Like, no, look at the original language. Anytime you want to know what something means, look at the original language that it was written in. And so get that, uh, read with cross-references. And so see what scholars throughout history have said about... about, So commentaries and cross-references. Yeah, uh, commentaries, cross-references. And yeah, and pray. Like, 
pray and ask God to reveal to you how he exists. That's good. Because it's big. I yeah. mean, uh, if, if, if God wants us to know that he came um, in this world to exist as a Jew, right? Every single detail about Jesus that he revealed in his word matters. Mm -hmm. So how much more does he want you to know? That no, I wasn't just somebody who died for your sins. I was God. How much more mm -hmm. does he want you to know that, that, that he is God? And so um, pray, you know, and ask God um, to, to reveal it to you. That's good. Well, thank you for doing the work, sir. All right, peace. Bye. With the Perrys is produced by the Perrys with support from Amanda Reed and Channing B. McBride. Editing by Xavier Fairley. Video recording and audio production by Kim Powell. Artwork by Hop. And music by Swoop. If you'd like to support the Perrys, you can visit the link in the show notes. This is With the Perrys. Thank you for listening. Now go with God.